0: the late morning program with nam podcast.
1: hi krishna everyone you're listening to the late morning program with nam Ras, the number one Hare krishna podcast in the world i am here with maha vishnu prabhu Mahavishnu Prabhu, thank you so much for joining me. So Mahavishnu Prabhu uh, is a um, teacher, a preacher, and also has his own uh, Gurukula, uh, which I believe is mostly online. I think, anyways, we'll hear more about it. But um, uh, Mahavishnu Prabhu himself has gone through the Gurukul system in ISKCON, and I'd love to hear his thoughts um, about, you know, different things. I'm looking to have my mind changed about Guru Kula because as may, some of you may or may not know, um, I have kind of strong views about about it in a sense, not, not in like in a bad sense, but in a sense of like what works and what doesn't. And I'd love to just like talk it out with uh, uh, Mahavishnu Prabhu. So first of all, Prabhu, maybe we can start about your personal history. Um, how did you get in contact with Krishna consciousness? I know you were like a chi- you were a child, so tell, tell us about that
0: okay uh first of all thank you for having me on i really do appreciate it and um you're absolutely right there's a little bit of um, connection issues on my end so if i ask you to repeat a question it's simple because i missed a two-second bit of what you were saying sure and vice versa yes i do apologize to you and your listeners no no problem Uh, i i came to krishna consciousness with my mother um in the late 70s uh, chicago Evingston, the temple was in Evingston, and um, immediately put into the, the Evingston temple didn't have a gurukula. There was a group of ladies who took care of the kids, but there wasn't a gurukula in Evingston, Illinois at the time. And of course, those days, the kids were put into some kind of educational program at a local temple mm-hmm. or sent to gurukula, and the parents were sent on book distribution. Mm-hmm. So that was my Young childhood as well, and of course the temple moved from Evans. When I got a little older, which is one way of saying it, uh, the age of nine, I was sent to my first group call in Los Angeles, and then from there, Los Angeles, uh, New Vrindavan, Tennessee, uh, Lake Cunnington, Vrindavan, and then ended up in Mayapur, where I finished my Gurukul cool years, and then went back to serve as a teacher and a Gurukul cool administrator. Um, I liked when you were to, in your introduction, you were saying how um, you have a, a opinion about what, what works and what doesn't work in Gurukul. Cool. And I am absolutely agree with you. I think that we have in the past, we've gotten Guru Kula all wrong. And as a society, Krishna consciousness, we have been so badly burned by Gurukula that we essentially don't want to touch it. <laughs> Certainly the way it was implemented in the uh, 70s and 80s. And I absolutely agree with you. And I think that persons like yourself and others who have this skittish, maybe be the wrong word, but you get my point, this hesitancy yeah. about embracing Gurukula, those are the ones that should lead Gurukula into the future. Mm. Um, because if I may, I believe that in my own, this is, I want to say this, as you mentioned, I have my own Gurukula, I'm not speaking as a representative of ISKCON, my Gurukula is, I founded it, I run it, it's privately owned and operated. I am not speaking from ISKCON's Ministry of Education. I'm not uh, affiliated and endorsed endorsed by um, the ISKCON. I consider myself an ISKCON devotee, but I'm coming at it from my personal space and opinion. Uh, When I was a couple of years ago, uh, had some time in the summer. So I went on the cross country tour, if you will. And I wanted to visit all of the temples in North America in the Midwest, and I wanted to attend all the Mangalartis. I love Mangalartis. Mangalartis is my favorite event. Of, it's just my favorite event. I just love Mangalartis, which is one reason why your podcast <laughs> resonates with me. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, I just love morning programs. Once we get after Guru Puja, it kind of loses its appeal to me. But Mangalarti is a japa time. I love that type of uh, program. Anyways, so I wanted to attend all of the, as many temples as I could and attend Mangalarti, just go from one to the other. Anyways, so I arrived at one temple and at this particular temple, I'm gonna try to keep it. I'm gonna hesitate as I tell this story because I'm trying to edit out and keep privacy. um, First and foremost, I arrived at one temple From Mangalarti, wonderful Mangalarti, was fantastic. And I was sitting there for breakfast and I talked to some of the devotees, and we have, I share, they share realizations of a wonderful, you know, a breakfast at a temple is always can be quite interesting. And there was one person who was there, Prabhupada disciple, who had their children in Gurukula in the early days. And that particular child was a friend of mine. We had grown up together in a particular Gurukula. So I knew his story, that child's story, former Guru Cooley story. And so the discussion I got into with the parents was, a, it was, a, I mean, we were sitting here for like two hours and people were coming in and you guys are still here. It was a wonderful, it was a deep, it was a very cathartic discussion, both for myself and for this parent. I mean, we were crying, we were hugging, <laughs> it, was, it was all over the place. But this particular person was saying, this person was a Prabhupada disciple, this particular person was saying that they were instructed to put their kids in Gurukula and then go off and open temples. And the story of this particular person was literally that they were were a Prabhupada disciple. I don't know if Prabhupada literally told that particular family to put their kid in Gurukula and open a temple. But that's essentially what they did. This particular family had put their child in Gurukula and actually went and opened up one of ISKCON's prominent centers to this day. That's their story. And (laughs) I should say this now, just a disclaimer to your listeners. (laughs) Um, This podcast will probably be the least listened to (laughs) or certainly one of the most vilified podcasts for what I'm going to say. So please don't dump on Namras. He doesn't know what he's gotten himself into. (laughs) This is all me. When I was sitting and talking to this particular person and I got where this person was coming from, but, and this is something I've always believed and I wanted to share this with that person, was that, yes, you're correct as a parent We're in a situation where you trusted the zeitgeist of the day, for lack of a better term, to put your child in Gurukul and then go off and open a temple. That was what was instructed during that particular time. My mother is of the same generation. I was put in an ashram, the Brahmacharya ashram of the temple, and my mother was sent to do book distribution with Tripurari Swami in the Chicago O'Hare Airport. I was carted off to Gurukula when I came back on our two-week vacation. I was put into the Brahmacharya ashram, told to be there all day, unsupervised, in a temple, whereas my mother had to, I saw my mother at Mangalarti, then my mother went off to the airport for book distribution, came back, and I saw her in the evening trying to stay awake. I would sit in the lobby of the Chicago temple trying to stay awake for my mother to come back from Sankraton to spend time with my mother. This was my two-week vacation. So, the story this person was telling me is the story that I grew up with and the same story that my mother experienced. I get that. However, the issue is still the same the parents failed. The parents are primarily responsible for the well being of the children. That's it, that's the bottom line. Now, of course, I mean, I've had this deep conversation with my mother back and forth over the years. I understood where this person was coming from, but I did not want to leave the conversation because this is key to everything else that follows for, at least for me, in my own opinion, is that the power lies has always been with the parents always. And it still is to this day. It's always with the parents, the responsibility and the power is with the parents. So she, this person kept saying, but, But you know, it was, this was what she, I get it, they're right, but we have to change the dynamic because what's gonna happen is, what is still happening is that even to this day, we assume or we give all the responsibility and all the power to so-called leadership, ISKCON leadership. That's not where it lies. We have to assume responsibility. I'm in the same boat. As a parent, I'm a failure. So I'm not punching down on parents. I'm in the same boat, but we do have to change how we look at the issue of gurukul education because that's going to color and inform how we're going to implement it in the future. If we always make it an issue of ISKCON leadership, it will never, it will never come out right. Yeah, We had this discussion, me and this person for hours. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead
1: no no i was just saying that um i agree with you 100 that it's it lies 100 on the parents and i know of friends who are probably after your generation who who's who were kind of bullied into like hey why aren't you putting your kids in Google? and they were like no we're not putting our kids into Google. we want to raise them ourselves and the my friends who are you know now you know, probably a little bit younger than you. They're like, you know, we're kind of glad our parents were didn't kind of, uh, didn't, um, you know, weren't bullied into into or coerced whatever into putting their kids into the Gurukul.
0: No, I absolutely get it, and I actually agree with that. Now is not the time to put our kids in Gurukul. There is no Gurukul. We have a completely missing, we don't, we have no idea what, I guess now we, and how we, and how we failed utterly in implementing it in the past and why we continue to fail going forward because we don't understand what it is. Guru the purpose of Guru Kula is one could say, Fivefold. For ISKCON, it's fivefold. But let's start with the first four parts of Gurukula Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha. Dharma, righteous living, right? what should be done, what should not be done. Um, responsibilities in society, ethical living, Dharma. Artha is the ability to function in society. Sometimes we see Artha as described or translated as economic development. Artha means the ability to function. Right? Medical school is artha. Law school is artha. Learning how to cook is artha. Learning how to clean, to maintain a car is artha. These are the means by which we can live successfully in life. So, is dharma, artha, kama, kama, sense gratification? No. Kama is understanding how to mastery of the body and senses. That's what kama is in the terms of these dharma, artha, karma, moksha. It is how to master the senses so that we can actually live a, a happy, satisfying life. If We have no self-mastery. We do not have the self-discipline to achieve anything in life. So Kama according to the principles of self-mastery, self, pardon me, self-discipline. And then, of course, moksha. Moksha means, there's two aspects of moksha. I'm not going to get into the details of moksha because then there's mukti and there's moksha, not philosophically, but in terms of uh, pedagogical understanding, Vedic pedagogy, moksha is liberation from kam, krodh, lobha, moha, mud, and matsarya. right? That's moksha on the jiva mukti level. In this life, we should be free or we should not be controlled by lust, anger, greed, arrogance, envy, and delusion. If in this life, we are not controlled by those six things, we're considered jivan mukti. And then, of course, at the end of life, going back home, back to it That's moksha. So in Vedic pedagogy, Gurukul pedagogy, it deals with those four things, dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. Now, that fifth element I was talking about, the <laughs> fifth element, Bruce Wills will be proud. <laughs> Forgive <laughs> me. I'm sorry. Let's get back on topic. That fifth element is Srila Prabhupada's mission. For ISKCON gurukulas, that fifth element is key. What gurukulas do outside of ISKCON, whether it's you know a traditional gurukula in India, or whatever, that's another thing. But Iskhan's gurukula, Prabhupada's gurukulas, if we read Prabhupada's instructions, Prabhupada, the the definition, what makes Iskhan what it is, in fact, what makes Gaudiya Vaishnavism what it is, is changing the world. That's our mandate. In all of our parampara, all of our gurus were world changers. They transformed the world they lived in, in terms of sharing... Vaishnavism and Krishna consciousness. That is, if we look at the seven purposes of ISKON, that's the mandate. ISKON is an educational institution whose purpose is to change the world. The most important document in ISKON are the seven purposes that Srila Prabhupada codified. That's the most, we should, I mean, literally, I mean, I'd like to pick up my camera and turn around. I have the seven purposes printed out and put on my far wall. It's the most important document. So when we look at Gurukula, we have dharma-artha-kama-moksha. That's what Gurukula does. That's what makes Gurukula Gurukula. But for ISKCON, that fifth element is transform the world. Srila Prabhupada talks about how the Gurukula students are the ones that are going to transform, not just Krishna conscious in terms of spreading Vaishnavism, but in terms of leading society. ISKCON is totally irrelevant in the 21st century. As we're going now, we have wonderful temples, within our own little world, highly relevant. But in terms of affecting the course of history, we're completely irrelevant. That is not what Srila Prabhupada... We look at Srila Prabhupada's time. Srila Prabhupada, in the years that he was on the planet, the decade or so... He changed Khan, Krishna consciousness was a household word. There's a reason for that. And one more thing before I can talk to the end of time, as you can see. But I love it. I love it. <laughs> one more element I want to share about Guru implementing Guru right? We have the five, the Dharma Artha Kama Moksha. And then we have this unique mandate by Śrīla Prabhupāda that we're supposed to transform the world. It means we have to be relevant. That means Gurukul graduates are the next leaders in every field Supreme Court justices, Congress people. The next CEO of Google should be a Devi Dasi. That's what Srila Prabhupada instructed, literal. You cannot in- interpret it any other way, his instructions on Gurukul. But what I want to get to, and this is where, when you talk about generations sort of coming up, the generation after Provost's generation, who don't want to send their children to Gurukor, I get it. Because if we look at ISKCON history, and this is again my own personal opinion, I was reading a while back the biography of General George Patton. George Patton was absolutely insane as a person. (laughs) But as a battlefield commander, he was unequal. As a wartime equal, he achieved more than any of his peers in the Second World War. He did so, he made those achievements with fewer casualties to his own army many other generals did nearly as well but they sacrificed the lives of their soldiers in order to achieve it general Pat- uh, patton had an understanding of what could be done on the battlefield better than any other general of his generation he achieved more with far fewer casualties he was a battlefield commander when the war was over i mean he went further and faster than any other of the commanders of his time but when the war was over, 1945, he's in, I think it was southern Germany, Bavaria. Forgive me for not knowing the exact space. But he was—he had to be a military governor of one area of Germany. He failed utterly. He was an absolute failure at governing in a peacetime situation. We have to see the history of ISKCON and what ISKCON was over its totality. Especially looking back in hindsight, it's easy to see this. In the years that Srila ISKCON was a wartime organization, put the kids in Gurukula because we have to, we're on the beaches of Normandy. Srila Prabhupada's first heart attack was in 1967 or 60, well, his first two heart attacks was on the Jala but I think in 67, 68, he had another heart attack and he had to go, right? Mm -hmm. And another heart attack had to go into the hospital. From that time forward, Śrīla Prabhupāda was saying, Śrīla Prabhupāda's quote, I'm at the fag end of my days. I can be dead at any moment. Śrīla Prabhupāda was working on a marathon to translate his books, to establish. He was on the beaches of Normandy. Iskān was trying to romp. It was, Iskān was an existential nature in its history, an existential place in its history. That is no longer the case. Iskān is here, to stay, we are now in a peacetime footing. Right. So, what worked when we were on the beaches of Normandy when ISCON could be in that general patent mindset of we gotta get the job done, we gotta romp across, we gotta deliver France, Luxembourg, Netherlands. Yes, it and it succeeded. We're here, and that's so. Again, when I talk to my mother, when I talk to other parents of that generation, that those parents I met on my um, cross-country tour of Mongol Artiques, I get it. Those parents were wartime parents. And Gurukula was established in a wartime environment. But that changed long. It has long since changed. But the problem is our mentality hasn't. The fear, the trauma of that wartime experience, has soured us on Guru Also, for the simple reason we had no idea what Guru is, which we'll talk about more. (laughs) I'm sorry, I've just gone on.
1: Um, No, no, no. That's that that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense. I mean, even the people who were given Sannyas, it was the the thinking is it was. Because Srila Prabhupada had to do this, what you're talking about, wartime uh, situation in a short period of time, try to expand the movement. So give sannyas to 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds. Yesterday I heard something like eight, someone was 18, you know, like, so yeah, understood. Um, I guess my question is, uh, what's the connection between um, the relevancy of ISKCON now and the way Gurukul was uh, functioning. Gurukula,
0: as I see it, Gurukula right now. Right now, ISKCON has a number of issues. <laughs> Good lord, just a number. I say, sorry, sorry.
1: Just a number.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I say <laughs> that I I am a card carrying ISKCON. I consider myself. I don't know if ISKCON considers me. <laughs> I consider my, myself a card-carrying ISKCON devotee. Prabhupada's man, all Same. the way through. <laughs> yeah, right. However, there are a number of issues. First of all, ISKCON is now, in my opinion, it, it's a country club. It's a country club. It's, we are not, like a country club is irrelevant to the world around it. It exists in a bubble, socially speaking, Right. A country club has its own economy. It has its own, everything about a country club is separate from the area in which it exists. That's Iscon. We're a country club. We have wonderful care times and festivals and you know, this, uh, you know. But we are com- the moment you step outside the Iscon world, completely irrelevant. If we also look at, and to answer your question, we look at Gurukula, understanding that where ISKCON is. If we look at Gurukula, how Gurukula is still failing. Because in Krishna conscious education now, we are not, you had, I mean, you probably don't know this, but I love your podcast. I mean, this is the first time you and I have communicated. I love your podcast. Thank you. You had on one of your podcasts, a. I want to say her name is Gopika, but I could be wrong. It's a lady, a young person from New Jersey who was talking about education, but she was and she said it so beautifully help children see the relevance of spiritual life in their own life and in the world around them. Yes, ISKCON to this day has done a terrible job of making Krishna conscious life. Krishna conscious culture, Krishna conscious beliefs relevant to the world around us. And she was talking about, she has some wonderful points. ISKCON is still failing as an educational organization because we're still not making that relevant connection. Again, it goes back to dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. If we explain and teach and share Krishna consciousness along those lines, dharma, artha, kama, the first three, are easily applicable. See how they're applicable in a public school. A public school teaches dharma, in as much as it understands dharma, right? Right and wrong, how to be a good citizen. A public school teaches Artha. That's education. Secular education falls in the area of Artha, Kama, sports, athletics. So dharma artha kama is already in the public schools. We just have to make it show students how it's relevant in a Krishna conscious. From a Krishna conscious perspective, we haven't done that. It is moksha that requires a little more creative educational understanding to make that understandable and relevant to our children. It's not difficult. We just haven't done it. When you also look at how in education, in Krishna conscious education, Gurukul education, is we have been so burned by the ashram program that we don't know the importance of it. And I get it. I grew up in an ashram. Don't come to me and tell me how the ashram system fails. I know. We also have to. I'm not saying you, but I say I'm being. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. We don't understand the. Let's let me back up again because we're going to come back to this ashram and what the relevance is. First thing. Back in wartime ISKCON, when we tried to implement Gurukula, we took children, sent them across the world, across the continent, and put them in a boarding school. First things first, Gurukula is not a boarding school. It's not a boarding school. That's the only understanding we have of Gurukula because of our modern history. The closest thing to a Gurukula is homeschooling. Gurukul is a homeschool. By very definition, a spiritual master was a married couple with children. Gurukulas existed in a village. Think of a village, right? Vedic society is a largely agrarian society, which means you have a village of 100 families, so four, five 500, 600, maybe 1,000, even 1,500 people in a community. The Guru, the Guru Kula, this Grihasta family, lived in that community. Everyone in that community knew each other They for generations, right? Everyone's been married into the community. People may have come into the community through marriage, but there's been generations of people living in that community, including the Guru, right? The Guru, the guru was grown up in that community. Right. More than likely, his wife has grown up in that community, or been married into the community, It's they've been in the community for generations. So when the family down the streets, the neighbor, send their kid to that guru kula, those two families, the guru and the parent, they've known each other for 500 years. Right. In terms of a generation. Yeah. We completely lost track of that idea because guru kula was implemented in a wartime situation. We took our kids, put them on a plane, send them across the world to a boarding school. That is not Gurukula. We've got to do away with that model. We are no longer on the beaches of Normandy. It is now peacetime Germany. It's time to govern in a peacetime setting. That means Gurukulas are in the community. They are run by people, by devotees who have been in that community for, of course, ISKCON is only 50 years old, but generations. Another issue, I'm going slightly off topic, but it's related. Where are our Vana prastas? We have a huge problem as a society that we're not taking care of our our older devotees. They should be in Gurukula. Our Vana are the Gurukul teachers of the future. They're not in Gurukul. The reason why they're not in Gurukul is because we don't. We have this foolish, forgive me, father. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: love oh, your. God. I love your passion. I just love it. I absolutely. Love, that's why I wanted you on.
0: Oh my god! I've got, I'm gonna get you into so much trouble.
1: <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Come on, I'm untouchable.
0: <laughs> Please,
1: <laughs> don't
0: send all your problems. Send all your hateful comments. This is not Ram, Namras is doing. <laughs> um, okay, the reason why. Uh, can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay, sorry. My computer. Okay. The reason why vana prastas are not in guru is because in Isco- the, the country club, right? We, we live in this bubble that is completely removed from social reality. Our older devotees are not being cared for. They're not being cared for. We have this fool. I call it the, the Drona Drupada disease. That is our management structure. You know, Mahasis, Dronacharya, his son Ashwatthama, could not have an evening, so did not have milk to drink for an evening meal. It yeah. broke Dronacharya's heart. Dronacharya went to Drupada and says, You know, we went to Gurukul together. Can you help me out here? What did Drupada say? Huh. We have the same mentality in ISKCON, this Drona Drupada disease. It's the the, um, debate, no wages for sages. That's the Drona Drupada disease. So we have all of these devotees who are being sincere Vaishnavas for 40 years, they're Living in situations, they're having a hard time taking care of themselves. They have no health care, especially in the United States. It may be different in other parts of the world. But here in the U.S., they're completely shunted to the side. Not, they, their place should be in Gurukula. They've been devotees for 40 years. So we have to fund Gurukula so that these vanaprasis, these senior devotees, can be taken care of. They have health care. They have dental care they can share their years, decades of experience in Krishna consciousness to the next generation. But the next generation, like that lady said, was her name Gopika? I, Gopika,
1: I I, yeah, I, she's a friend of mine. It was
0: Gopika. Like she said, you know, the teenagers they see, their Vana Prastha, the previous generation, are struggling in Krishna consciousness. Like, well, you know, you know, God bless, you know, Mangalarti is great, but, you know, i got this. It's not working yeah. outside of the bubble of our country club. First things first, I've got to put money in my bank. So I've actually, I may have gone completely away from, from the question you no, no, asked, but good. these things are interrelated. I would like to just mention one more thing and, and you can get a word in edgewise. <laughs> um The model how Gurukul is a homeschool. It's a homeschool. Once we see it through that paradigm, it starts to change its complexion. Gurukul is a homeschool. And the people, the, the parents who send their children to Gurukul are sending the children to their neighbor that they've known for generations. Right. Now, of course, first, is kind of, but we're not looking at education in those terms. We have such a fear, we've been so burned by the trauma of the past, understandably so, that we don't want to touch it. We don't even want to have this discussion. Last year, I put on a, a, a Gurukul Development Conference. Seven people showed up. I was. We were talking to the choir. But this discussion has to be had. We've got to get out of a war footing of Gurukul and recognize what Gurukul is supposed to be. It's a homeschool. So there should be a Gurukul or two in every community. Yeah. Then if you want to talk about an ashram situation, so be it. I'm sorry, please. No, no, no. Continue. I'm just going to ask a question after your thought. One thing I wanted to drive out is related to this issue of what Gurukul is as a homeschool is that there's another thing that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm jumping on parents (laughs) because the parents are the elephant in the room. Really, the power is with the parents. Now, there's something that parents can do and there's something parents cannot do. Parents are hardwired biologically to protect children. It's in our DNA. Right? We know this, I mean, biology, one-on-one, right? When the mother, it gets pregnant, her hormones are completely, because, I mean, the bio, I mean, I, was, I work in politics, I'm a political activist, and I get anyways, a member of the Green Party, that's not the point. But the issue of abortion has been, has been on my desk at work for the past 18 months. When women get pregnant, and this is, I'm not speaking for pregnant women, saying what I've learned about it is that the female body, everything about the female body wants to reject it, actually. But the embryo is encased in a womb, and the hormones surrounding pregnancy don't ask me to go into the medical biological details. But overall, the body of the mother kicks in to do everything to bond the mother to the child. Everything about that whole gestation period, not everything, but hormonally speaking, it's about bonding the embryo to the mother. So when the mother is being, is is carrying a pregnancy, her hormones is just working overtime in bonding her to that child because the body itself is actually trying to reject it on one level. And this is why, I mean, we postpartum, I learned about postpartum when my second daughter was born it's postpartum depression. That's a, that's a biological hormonal reality. The child hasn't gone anywhere, right? The child is simply being born. The child is still with the mother They're living at home. But the fact that there's a physical separation, postpartum depression is a hormonal reality because of the strong hormonal bonds that have been created in pregnancy. Now, men don't have this naturally because right, men don't carry a pregnancy. It's shown that I'm going a little bit off, but this I'm making a larger point here. It's shown mm-hmm. that men, and this is why, I mean, <laughs> this is a social issue, but why I'm a proponent and a believer in paternity leave, because biologically it's shown, studies have shown that when men, for, men, for women, it's the nine months of pregnancy where that hormonal bonding becomes... Solidified and almost unbreakable. For men, it happens in the first 18 months after a child is born. So, when the father is being with the child, biologically, the testosterone levels drop in a man by 30 to 40%. It's a huge drop in testosterone in men in the first 18 months of a child's being born for the father. And Oxytocin, the bonding chemical in men goes through the roof. So this differential between the drop of testosterone and the spike in oxytocin, that differential creates an enormous time of bonding, hormonal bonding for a father to the child. Now I say, but the key is that happens in the first 12 to 18 months. After that, it begins to stabilize in men and it's very hard thereafter for that bonding to take it's still possible for men but it's extremely difficult after that 12 to 18 month period of the child being born i say all that to say this and this is i mean krishna is brilliant varnashram of which gurukul is a part chaturvarna <inaudible> mayashrama krishna said i did this brilliant if we look at gurukul now coming back to Gurukula, parents are biologically mom from the nine months of pregnancy, fathers from the 18 months thereafter are biologically hardwired for the safety of their children, right? (laughs) Forgive me. (laughs) My wife is going to listen to this podcast, so I better be careful, (laughs) right? The wife can't carry a five-pound bag of garbage (laughs) to the curb (laughs) on garbage day, threaten her child. She'll lift the car. Yeah. That's what that is. Same thing with the father who's been bonded with the child, you know. Man, man flew <laughs> for three <laughs> weeks. A problem with the child, a man will move a mountain. A father will move a mountain when there's that biological bond there. So, this is what parents can do. Now, what parents cannot do, very important, there's a part that parents can't do, and that is dharma parents cannot impart dharma to their children because the path of dharma will kick your butt (laughs) i'm sorry forgive me let's find a more a more (laughs) but but it's fine (laughs) the path of dharma is First of all, the path of dharma and what makes it the path of dharma, what makes it so difficult is that you have to choose it. You have to choose to walk the path of dharma. And right, Gurukul is about dharma, artha moksha The issue about dharma is that you have to choose it. If you don't choose dharma, you're not following dharma. You're an animal. Animals have no choice. The issue with dharma is that you have to choose it. The reason why dharma is so difficult, Ramayan. Dasharat promised Kaikei two boons. She asked, Ram, go to the forest. The path of dharma, Ram had to choose it. Dasharat, the father, he said, Forget it, Ram, don't go. A father. Right cannot teach the child, the the, the, the parent is not supposed to. It is not the duty to impart dharma to the child. Biologically, the parent's not supposed to do that. The, The duty of a parent is safety of the child. That's the biological imperative of a parent because if that's not there, what happens? The human society goes extinct. The child needs one, preferably two people in the billions of people on the face of the planet. The child needs two people who will put the existence of that child above everything else. If you have those two people for that child, then the child will continue to exist. Hmm. Human existence continues. Everybody else can teach the, the child dharma, but not two people, because the path of dharma has to be chosen. Who's going to tell the child to choose to live in the forest for 14 years? You'd be a moron. You're not doing your duty as a parent if you tell your child to go live in the forest for 14 years. But that is the path of dharma. Ram understood it. The path of dharma is the most difficult thing you can do. Going back to the uh, Ramayana, right? Ram, at this point, is a, he's a, he's a young prince, Ram and Lakshman. Vishwamitra <laughs> comes to Dasharat and says, my dear Dasharat, I need Raman Lakshman to come with me and kill these morons, Maricha and Subahu. Bring them with me. I need them to come and fight. Dasharat says, what, are you kidding? I'm not going to send my teenagers to go and kill these demons, Rakshasas. No, absolutely not. And Vishwamitra was like, come on, don't worry. I'll, you know, just That's their duty. They're kshatris. I'll take care of them. Young Kshatriyas, that's their dharma, is to go and protect the Brahmanas. Let's go. They have to learn their dharma. They have to learn their duty. Das- Dasarat, no, absolutely not. Vishwamitra was frustrated. He had to call Vashishta, who was the guru of Dasharat. Vashishta is like, Vashishta, you know, dude, take care of <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God so Vishishtamuni had to come and tell dasharat that you know don't worry Vishwamitra is more than enough uh, more powerful enough to take care of the demons it is just that ram and lakshman have to learn the path of dharma and so on and so forth the guru had to come in and explain and teach and uphold the path of dharma for the children the parents can the parents aren't supposed to do it when Srila Prabhupada talks about this in the fourth chapter right, sunita Suniti. Srila Prabhupada says she could not be Dhruva Maharaj's guru because she was his parent. I mean, some people highlight the word ma- a woman. That's another podcast <laughs> for another time. You don't <laughs> That want to is, have you yes. Either. But <laughs> anyways, she could not be his guru because she was his parent. Parents are not biologically capable of being the teachers of dharma. Now, in the story of Dasharat, Dasharat said, I'll do it. Right? Dasharat, Vishwamitra Muni knows Dasharat is capable of killing Marichi and Subahu. Dasharat is capable of. it. Kaikei came and said, I'll do it. Kaikei wow. was capable of killing Marichi Subahu. That's not the point. The point is the path of dharma to be passed on to the next generation, the guru, the gurukula has that ability to do it. The parents cannot. But again, we have to change the paradigm. What is a Gurukula? The Gurukula is a family, it's homeschooling number one, and it's in a home where the person, the Gurukula, is in the community. You were sending your. We are sending our child to the Gurukula down the street. We've known that family for generations. Their grandfather, the Guru's grandfather, was the teacher of our grandfather. That's Gurukula. In that under, now we have an understanding of how it works. So it makes sense when we have this understanding of what Gurukula is, what it's supposed to do, dharma, and what parents, where parents uh, are needed, are necessary, and what they can and cannot do in that sense, and what the function of the Gurukula is. Now another thing is.
1: Wait, question before you go on. Yeah,
0: please. Yeah, yeah, because I can go on.
1: (laughs) Um, You're talking in ideals, like in the sense of Ramayana is like an ideal situation. But when you say the parent should not be teaching, they're not capable or whatever to teach Dharma, that's not the reality usually, right? Because it's, I mean, if you're homeschooling your children, it's usually the mother or the father are the ones teaching okay maybe that's not maybe that's not dharma that they might be teaching other things but you're saying that you're saying like let's talk i'm saying let's talk about um in 2022 what does that look like maybe we're going to get to that later talking about your project and thing but um i guess it's like it doesn't seem like a reality to me to to like that there's, there's not going to be these gurukulas in in every community. Of, of course there should be and I mean I have three children myself and I and I am you know I'm not sure what I'm what we're going to do. We're going to homeschool. Like for sure we're going to homes- we're starting to homeschool, but um I guess my question is what does it look like to that now? But maybe you're going to get to that.
0: No, pr- excellent question. Um you framed it in a way I was hoping you wouldn't. <laughs> but hey you're you're, i mean you're you're good at this um the reason why i was hoping you would not frame it the the way you framed is because it's gonna it goes off into a i would take it in a little bit of a different direction but let's let's stick to the the question you've mentioned yeah we've talked about what parents can and cannot do should or should not do what guru kula's function is what parents function is 2022. Let's make a distinction here, pardon me, between two things. Sincere Vaishnava, qualified disciple. Parents can raise sincere Vaishnavas. Absolutely. And that's what you're doing, right? You're raising sincere Vaishnavas. Sincere Vaishnavas are absolutely necessary. I mean, that's the the point. Raising sincere Vaishnavas is the point. Gurukula is about developing and training qualified disciples. Those are two completely different things. Qualified disciples are the pool from which you're going to get qualified gurus. You can have sincere, I mean, sincere Vaishnavas are a dime a dozen you wouldn't want them to be gurus. Mm. Sincere Vaishnavas are everywhere. You can't swing a dead Forget about the cat. but you get my <laughs> point. <laughs> a qualified disciple is someone who chooses to walk the path of dharma or to walk the principles of Krishna consciousness no matter what. From there, you're going to get qualified gurus. That's the difference. Parents... And that's what parents have been doing since the fall of Gurukula, which is what I like to call it. <laughs> that's what parents have been Guru, doing. Huh? Sorry. Right.
1: No, no, I, I'm that 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 uh, phrase, the fall of Gurukula, is an interesting.
0: Well, it has been, in my opinion. I'll go into that a little bit more, but yeah, that's what parents have been doing. Will continue to do. They're raising sincere Vaishnavas, and they're struggling to make Krishna consciences relevant to the world around them because we are doing very bad at that as a society as, as, as a whole. But parents are raising sincere Vaishnavas. That's almost the easy thing to do. I mean, you can become a sincere Vaishnava by you know, reading the books. You, know, you don't need a whole lot to become a sincerely dedicated devotee of Krishna. But we're talking about qualified disciples from where you're going to get qualified gurus. That's what Gurukula does. What when when Gurukula teaches and exp- develops within, and another thing is we're not putting into the children the ability to do this. It's already there, which is why Prabhupada called them Vaikuntha children. It doesn't mean, now another point is it doesn't mean that every child should be in Gurukula. That's, whew, that's we can talk about that because that's also quite a bit in, today, in the vein of today's discussion. Not every child should be put through a Gurukula. Every child should be raised as a as a sincere Vaishnava. Absolutely, absolutely. But the Gurukul model or structure, the purpose of the Gurukul, qualified disciples, is not. That process is not for every single child. It's not. The rigors of that. It doesn't mean now. It doesn't make now. I say the rigors, and people think, "Oh my God, the rigors." It's not. Remember, a Gurukula is a homeschool. It's not we think our experience with Gurukula is you know having an eight-year-old take cold showers and you know eat once a day. That's really what it was and I mean we won't go into the horrors of the past. That's not what Gurukula is. Guru kula is reawakening, activating the ability within children within themselves to choose the path of Dharma. That's what Gurukula does.
1: Wow, I love that. It doesn't
0: have to be. It's not a boot camp. I'm sorry?
1: I love that definition. That's great.
0: Mm. So bringing it back to 2022, right now, because Guru Kula has failed, parents are and should continue to raise sincere Vaishnavas. But there has to be a space where we're raising qualified disciples. And the reason why I was... I was hoping you would not phrase it the way you did is because when you make a distinction between sincere Vaishnavas and qualified disciples, I'm going, I'm really trying to edit myself because.
1: No, no, please don't because there's no reason to, this is like a full, like full disclosure, like open forum. And, they might you know they could say something to you online, but no one's gonna to come to your house and be like, "Hey, I heard you it's said true. this
0: you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. that's true. I've, I've long since been able to block out, hey, I work in politics. <laughs> yeah right. um, So years ago, about maybe 15 years ago, a senior devotee, no more than that about no, yeah a senior devotee, guru, we're having this discussion about discipleship and qualified disciples, sincere Vaishnava, yada, yada, yada. And this person was saying that, you know, no, we have to initiate disciples because we have to grow, da, da, da. Again, this is this wartime idea. We've got to initiate everybody to grow, da, da, da. You know, no, you don't. Absolutely, you don't. You can have a sincere Vaishnava who's not initiated. Of course, you can. Yeah. But this person was going on, and then he was saying, we well, have to. We have to make sure we have qualified. Da, da, da. And I said to this particular senior devotee, with all due respect, we, this person had known me since I was a child. So we had a, a closer relationship. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, you have just initiated this person, this person, this person. I personally know they are not qualified to take initiation. I wasn't qualified to take initiation when I took initiation at the age of 17. I wasn't qualified for it. Because of the vows of qualification, Chant 16 rounds every day for the rest of your life. Let's stop being hypocritical about this. Who, at the age of 17, knows, has the ability to promise to chant 16 rounds every single day for the rest of their life. That's an enormous, inno- I mean, we make this, Diksha initiation is a promise we make to our entire pura all the way up to Brahma and Muni. We make this vow. We ask people to make this vow when we know they're not going to fulfill it. We know it. We're asking Trula Prabhupada. And this, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> one, I was talking to one devotee who quoted another senior devotee who was saying that um, the issue of illicit sex and the senior devotee as this person told it to me, said that they described illicit sex as being illicit sex with a capital I and illicit sex with a lowercase i. Illicit sex with a lowercase i is okay. That means when you have, you know, sexual intercourse within marriage as a devotee, okay, you know, it happens. The illicit sex that we're promising in initiation not to engage in is sexual intercourse outside of marriage. That's really what it means by the definition of this so-called senior, not so-called, of this senior devotee. Prabhupada never said that. Prabhupada never said that. Prabhupada never said that. Prabhupada said no sexual intercourse. Done. That was it. There was no, I mean, if we want to talk about what Prabhupada said to an individual who was struggling is one thing. But right. as a qualification for diksha initiation, Prabhupada never, there was no wink, wink, smile, smile. Okay, I'll give you initiation. It was clear from the get-go, from the beginning of Prabhupada's initiating devotees to the moment he left this planet. Celibacy. That's what it is. In marriage, you're celibate. That means you have sexual intercourse four or five times in your marriage in your, in your marriage. That's celibacy. So stop. hypocrisy. Now we understand what it means to be a qualified disciple, taking that definition, and a sincere Vaishnava. A sincere Vaishnava is struggling with the four principles of initiation. They're struggling with those four principles of initiation. They should not take the vow of initiation. Qualified disciples, on the other hand, choose it. They choose to live a life of celibacy. In marriage— they choose to chant 16 rounds a day come hell or high water that's a qualified disciple now that we understand these two different things now let's talk about not every child is supposed to be in gurukul understanding what gurukul is supposed to be now i will qualify that by saying this we can put every child in gurukul So that they have the training of what it means to be a qualified disciple. Once having come out of Gurukula, they can choose to carry on in that vein by taking initiation, or they can live their life as sincere Vaishnavas. That's perfectly fine. So in that sense, yes, every child can go to Gurukula because they learn what it means to be a qualified disciple. That's the brahmachari life. Whether they carry on as nayshdika brahmachari even as grihasthas is another thing entirely. So we have to understand, and this is why, when you couched in the words that in the phrase that you did, I was like, "Oh, he's going to ask." You know, it's, I cannot answer the question without going into the hypocrisy of how we are initiating devotees at present.
1: I I want to comment on that, please. Um, I think that. Um, it's not so black and white in the sense of, okay, sincere Vaishnavas and dis- people who are disciples. I think that for people to feel inspired and to move on in their Krishna consciousness, there has to be, not there has to be, but they make this commitment to become disciples and they try their best and in the way they do. I agree with you 100% that there is... That hypocrisy like that is 17-year-old taking initiation, like, come on, are you going to really follow that all the way through? Okay, maybe they won't, but maybe they'll go through ups and downs in their life that, okay, following, not following, go through, you know, teenage, uh, you know, adult years and then getting older and things. And that connection with the guru is there to help them through, to become, you know, to get, to, because in Rupa Goswami talks about it, you know, right in the, in the, 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 uh, Bhakti Rasam Sindhu, the first few things are all about the guru take initiation, you know, take shelter of the guru. It doesn't say I'm just playing devil's advocate. It doesn't say like, Hey, just be a good Vaishnava and you know, no, but for Godi Vaishnavas, we take initiation. We, that's what we do. That's what, that's what the commitment is for. So. I'm just pushing back on that a little bit, that I think that those two things that, that you've separated, I, I personally don't think those two things are separate. I mean, what would you say to that? To that?
0: <laughs> I say, not to put it so eloquently, but I would say pishtosh, absolute pishtosh. Not to you personally, but just because I know I, I, I know. The, no, don't, I know don't, don't you don't
1: have to qualify it. It's fine. I get it. Okay.
0: What the reason why is because going back to the idea of award time footing and governing, you're absolutely right in that in terms of if I were 17 year at 17 years old, it was an enormous spiritual boost to me to work towards qualification for initiation. And to obtain that qualification to be initiated, it changed my life. Absolutely. No question, no, I'm not arguing that. But the mentality from which we are coming to initiation is incorrect. That senior devotee who was talking about we gotta initiate, we've got to inspire, we've got to, you know, help these persons carry on. It's it's that's ISCON in the George Patton mentality. Right. George Patton was the most incredibly effective battlefield commander. He knew how to inspire. You read some of the speeches of George Patton to his wartime troops. You could not use that speech (laughs) anywhere outside of that environment. Again, and then going back to governing peacetime Germany. A different set of words need to be used. Now, it doesn't mean, now, who is administering peacetime Germany? It's the same soldiers. The same soldiers who fought on the beaches of Normandy, romped through France, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands, and Belgium, and are now in Germany. It's the same soldiers. But the incentives are different. The words used are different. The managerial structure, the organizational structures for managing peacetime Germany are different. It doesn't mean you don't need a managerial structure. It doesn't mean you don't need ways to incentivize. Absolutely, because they're the same people, essentially. But it's different. George Patton could not make that transformation, and neither has ISKCON. So you're absolutely correct, and I agree with you. My issue is that we have to find different ways to get the same result in this day and age. Because devotees cannot, they're making the wrong commitments. And that leads to Vaishnava Parādh. When we're making promises to the Guru Parampara and we break those promises, that is the definition of Naṁaparādh and Vaishnava Parad. And right. then we wonder why we're having difficulty. So, on a philosophical level, yeah, it's all fine and dandy, Mahavishnu, for you to say that. But then the reality is, devotees need inspiration. Now, this is where we talk about <laughs> leadership and Krishna consciousness. <laughs> and that's whew, good Lord in heaven. We do need motivations and incentives for spiritual motivations and incentives. It doesn't have to be initiation, it can be something before initiation. It could be a lot, I mean, I know, I mean, I served as, for a time, for several years, I served as the temple president of the Boston Temple. People, and in that capacity, I have to sign off on people's initiation requests. And I talked to some people, why do you want to get initiated? Oh, I want a spiritual name. Oh, man. (laughs) But, but, that, but, but honestly, but that's incredible. I'm not saying that's a, um, an illegitimate motivation. That is a powerful motivation. Yeah. Let's give, let's let's have a a ceremony where they get a devotional name without asking them to essentially perjure themselves to the parampara.
1: Wow. That's, that's a revolutionary idea.
0: That's why you're going to get in trouble. No one's going to watch this podcast and I'm going to crawl back into my hole here in Massachusetts and do what I do. (laughs) (laughs) All see so Gurukula, it, it's it's connected to all these different social shortcomings of Iskon. We Iskon is still as a society we're still in a mentality we're on the beaches of Iskon is essentially stuck in patent mentality. We're still stuck in a patent George Patton mentality. We have not transitioned to a peacetime. There was no existential threat to ISKCON. ISKCON is here to stay. A lot of people say, well, I hear a lot of sometimes, oh, Mahavishnu, ISKCON is is gone. It's over. It's done with. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's here to stay. What it looks like is another issue entirely, but it's not going anywhere. I'm going to, if I may, ISKCON, especially in terms of education and child protection, or child protection, that's a whole room. Anyways, and just for full disclosure for, for you and your listeners, the there's a child protection uh, um, case that I'm going through myself as well. People can see it on my website. I'm not going to share it here because it's an ongoing, it's been going on for two years and the child protection office is doing a great job with it. But what I want to share is, particularly in education and uh, child protection, is going back to beating up on... <laughs> beating up on parents again, how parents are the problem, have always been the problem. I take that back. Parents are the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Uh, you will know this, right? Um, elephants. You cannot train an adult elephant. Yeah. The only way to train an adult elephant is literally to break it, break its spirit. And by then it's no longer, it's temperamentally destroyed and it's no longer reliable. The only way to train an elephant is you have to train it from when it's a baby. As soon as it's born, you tie it up to a 5-kilo weight, uh, five 10-pound um, weight, and the baby elephant has a hard time pulling a 10-pound weight from it stake in the ground. And over years, it gets so used to being able to pull away from a 10-pound weight that as a full-grown, 5-ton elephant, all it needs is a 10-pound tug and you can get it to sit down 10 pound mm. parents experience the same we in ISKON, as parents experience the same reality in the early days of this we were told just like that parent that I'd sat with in that temple they were told they were young parents they were tied to a five pound five kilo steak in the ground that they cannot, they were told they cannot move. They have to send their kid to Gurukul. They have to go to that particular place and open a temple, which they did. The problem is we grew, we matured, but yet we're still, as parents, ISKCON parents in society, we're still being dragged down. We're still not using our power, even though we're five-ton behemoths in terms of our power in pushing forward education and child protection. Five-ton behemoths. We keep pushing the issue off onto the GBC. Absolute pishtosh. Parents are the key. Parents are the key. We had three opportunities, in my own estimation, when we could have changed from a wartime, a so-called wartime footing, to a peacetime development of guru education, child protection, and so on. The first opportunity was in 1980, I think, 86, 87, when ISKCON went through the whole zonal acharya system, blew up. I was in Vrindavan Gurukul at the time. One day, Vrindavan Gurukul had, I think, 200 students. A week later, it was down to 30 during that whole upheaval. That was a seminal moment in the history of education, I think, in the history of ISKCON. And ISKCON did change some things. But in the history of education, the history of child protection, it was a similar moment for parents to realize they have the power because parents pulled their children out of Gurukul overnight. Wow. But it didn't last. Parents did not. We as parents, as a society, we did not make that transition from war to peace. We did not make that transition from recognize this 1986. ISKCON is here to stay. We're no longer, we've, we've as a society, we've lasted a decade since the passing of Prabhupada. We're not going anywhere as a society. It's time to turn to governing. We're not on the beaches of Normandy. The second seminal event was in 1990-91, when the issue in the Mayapur Gurkhu blew up. Once again, the issue of child protection and Gurkhu education was front and center, and we had the space, to recognize that parents have the power. No one stood up and grabbed it. I won't say no one, I'll say parents didn't stand up and fundamentally change everything about this kind of education. For just a moment, sorry, Goodness, my computer's sending me foolishness. 86, 87, 90, 91. The third opportunity to switch from a wartime setting to peacetime governing and strategic thinking and development and understanding about education and child protection was in 2000, the the court case.
1: Court case, right.
0: Child protection, education is front and center. Another moment when parents could have dropped this 10 pound insignificant shackle that was placed upon us parents in the 70s. And taking an education and run with it, we have missed. Parents have missed three opportunities to transform education and child protection. We didn't do it. Even to this day, we're still making this issue an ISKCON leadership issue. It's not. It's. Not, I take yeah. this back. Wait, wait, wait. I take that back. You wanted to say something?
1: No, I. I, I remember two thousand, uh, the the third event that you're talking about, and. Now that you say it, it makes so much sense like why like wasn't that like a time where we're like shaken and at, like to the core and thinking like oh my gosh, we should re reassess this whole thing right now. I mean, I was a kid still, but if I was a parent at that time, I'd be like, okay, we need to like change. I mean, I don't think I I mean, I'm not saying that I would have done that, but I'm saying like to be sh- shooken like that. Things change during those types, and maybe we did really drop the ball that time. We dropped but, the but ball
0: yeah. three times.
1: Yeah, Please continue your your, your thought there.
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yes, we've dropped the ball three times. We, meaning parents. Yeah. Parents, and that's why I had this discussion. When I talk to certain parents, I say this to them. I say that, and again, I am exhibit A, both from both sides as a former guru, Kuli, and as a parent. I'm a failure as a parent. I'd be the first to raise my hand, but that's the key. Raise our hand and say, we failed as parents in, as ISKCON, as a group, parents, the ISKCON, the ISKCON parents, let's say, has to assume responsibility. And that's even to this day, we're not assuming responsibility. We keep pawning it off and pawning it off to the so-called ISKCON leadership that doesn't want it. In 1986, That was that first seminal change and opportunity was the first time it became very, very clear that ISKCON parents had more power than ISKCON leadership. Before that, before 1986, 87, I get it. Parents were the little baby elephant tied to a 10 pound weight. Didn't understand the power, even though I mean, we know I mean, you've probably been around a, a baby elephant as well. <laughs> a baby elephant is not a small thing; it's not a weak thing. Yeah. But I get it. That is where okay, Iskand, the Iskand parent, was a baby tied to a five-pound stake. Still, the eight hundred-pound gorilla in the room. We still must recognize that the parents. I mean, I had this conversation with my mom. The, the parents are never absolved of the responsibility never but we do have to understand in a particular era the parents were a baby elephant sure i get it but that ended in 1986 it it was over it was done within 1986 you could see it in the history of this kind parents for the first time had that's, it's why it happened overnight Guru Kula changed fundamentally in 1986. I, I witnessed it in the Vrindavan Gurukula. All my friends were there. The next day, I was alone. It was done. So since 86 to now, and this is what you had said earlier, we've been traumatized. We've absolutely, the society has been traumatized. Parents have been traumatized. Kids have been traumatized. I don't know if, I mean, this is a generation past, but they used to say in politics that social security is the third rail of politics. That's not so much now, it's the cultural issues. But ISCON's third rail, for those of you who may be listening outside of the US or at least US infrastructure, you know trains run on two rails and then the third rail is the electric rail. It's where the power is, the power from which the train moves forward. So, but you touch the third rail, you fry to death. Because that's the power rail. ISKCON's third rail, women and children. ISKCON's third rail is women and children. That's where the power is. We keep putting the power somewhere else. We've been burned by that third rail. We don't want it to, we've been traumatized. Everyone's been traumatized. ISKCON leadership has been traumatized by the third rail. They don't want to touch it. Talk to an ISKCON leader. They don't want to have anything to do with women and children. Mm. I get it. I Don't be a leader if you can't handle it. That's another discussion. But I get that aspect of it. Parents don't want to touch Gurukula because parents as a whole, as a society, we have been historically traumatized by it. Our children have been traumatized by it. Families have been pulled apart because of it. I get it. Rails one and two are book distribution and temples. The train of Iskand is resting on those two rails. Book distribution, great. That kind of preaching, great. Temples, absolutely. But we are not going to move forward. The Train, the locomotive of Iskand is not going to move forward and be relevant in the 21st century until someone grabs the third rail, women and children, and embraces it. That's the Mm. power that's going to propel this country into the 21st century until we have the courage to grab that third rail and hang on to it while getting burned, because you will get burned. You will get burned when you actually, when you have the, and that's why parents don't want to touch it. Parents don't want to touch it. We want to pawn it off to the ISKCON leaders. ISKCON leaders should do this. ISKCON, to blazes with ISKCON leaders, they didn't have the power. There's power and influence. The moron on TikTok has influence. Buy head and shoulders shampoo. Million followers. Buy head and shoulders. That's influence. The person who goes out to buy it is the person with power. Yeah, ISCON leadership has influence. I'm not saying ISCON leadership doesn't have influence. Absolutely. I'm not saying ISCON leadership doesn't have responsibility. Absolutely. Don't get in that role if you're not going to take responsibility. I get that. But the power, the power to get the job done parents because parents are biologically predisposed to doing it. Hmm. ISKCON leadership is not
1: what would that look like when you say okay we need to we need to embrace that third rail women and children for children I understand Kulo, for women what is it
0: that's the first lesson of, I teach for for my gurukul students I teach bhakti Shastri class The first is, oh, good Lord in heaven, you you are getting me in so much trouble. (laughs) The first lesson of Bhagavad Gita is not, you are not the body. Oh, the first lesson of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna's first instruction, you're not the body. Pishtosh, the first lesson of Bhagavad Gita is to protect women. That's the first lesson of Bhagavad Gita. You can't get past chapter one without that lesson being made. Krishna didn't get it. Arjuna brought it up. He says, if we do this, women are going to suffer. Right. By extension, women, uh, uh, children. The third rail is women. It has always been women since the time of Arjuna. That's the first list. Krishna did not negate that. In fact, Krishna says, well, if you're going to talk about women and children, if you're going to talk about Varnashram, you're a kshatriya, you moron. You're supposed to do this regardless of what happens to you. You have to engage in this Battle of Kurukshetra, because if not, this idiot Duryodhana is going to go around sexually assaulting women. Right. The first lesson of Bhagavad Gita is women and children, not you're not the body. So, right. how does. I, Namras, I love it, Pramudhi. You, <laughs> no, you are fantastic.
1: You are fantastic. I really love your passion, and I love that you know you've really thought about all this a lot and i and i and i love that it's coming out in the podcast because i don't think many people know uh about you and about your projects and things and this is just a great way to expose you, not expose you that's probably a bad <laughs> word but but kind of like introduce you to the greater iskon uh or Hare krishna world
0: i don't know if that's a good thing
1: <laughs> it's a great thing trust me people we need to hear these hard things th- these are hard truths and it needs to be said yes
0: it, it, they, yeah and i consider this a perfect uh, public service announcement i don't mind i've got nothing to lose i'm here in massachusetts i have my own little temple i have my own guru kula you know but in the same way it's because i mean i consider i mean i embrace that's my problem i tell you i'm a social activist i mean when you see me in the news i'm the idiot running, you know, know, I mean, I don't, there's a certain type of activism. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not the type of person to chain myself to city hall, but, you know, I'm an activist and it's interesting. And, and you know, I don't want to, like I said, my own child abuse investigation, people can go to that in terms of full disclosure. They can go and it's on my website. I put all the information there. They can go to the CPO, but I learned very early on, very early on in 1990, that if I wanted to get something done, I'm going to have to do it myself. I'm going to have yeah. to grab my, not just me, myself and four of my best friends at the time. We have to do it ourselves because no one is going to do it. And it's and it's been, it was my greatest experience in Gurukula was that, taking command myself and getting the job done. That's the realization. And I've never looked back since then. I pulled up my, if I'm going to do it, you have a problem with ISKCON, the the Drona drupa the disease in ISKCON? You have this issue in, you know, running the Boston Temple? All right, Mahavishnu, put your money where your mouth is. Open your own temple. I opened my own temple. You have this, I've always wanted to be a Gurukul teacher. That's my only love. (laughs) A quick story. It was um, Lake Cunnington in the early 80s, whenever it was. Um, The ISKCON minister of education at the time, Jagadish Maharaj. Came in, he was visiting. Now, it was, we're in the ashram and we get up in the morning from Mungal arts and we all run, this is New York, upstate New York, winter, run pell-mell to the bathroom, all <laughs> army of kids because we want to get the hot water, right? If the first three kids get all the hot water, the rest, whew, good luck with that. <laughs> so 4 a.m., the battle of Kurukshetra is who can get to the bathroom fastest to get the hot water. I made it. I'm in there luxuriating in hot water. And one of my friends at the time, he is, you know, my name was Vyassadev at the time. Vyassadev, Vyassadev, get out of the shower. You're taking all the hot water out of it. And we're screaming. Other kids are screaming, no, I'm hot water. (laughs) So it's absolute pandemonium in the bathroom. I'm in the shower. All this noise, all of a sudden it goes silent. This white hand, (laughs) white hairy hand reaches inside the shower, pulls me out. I wrap myself in the tower, dripping, soaking wet. It's Jagadish Maharaj. <laughs> Apparently he had come the night before and his room was next to the bathroom. <laughs> so he's standing there looking down on me. I mean, he's just woken up, his red eyes, his Sika's sticking up in the air. I mean, I'm seeing Lord Nashringade. <laughs> and he, of course he's I don't know, he says something to, to the effect of being quiet. Who knows? I don't remember that part. I just remember being terrified. <laughs> but later on he gave a um, he had us all together he was doing a, giving a darshan with all the students in the evening we were having evening prasadam, I and he was telling these stories about Vrindavan and this and I want to qualify the statement a lot of people have a problem with Jagadish Maharaj I'm not negating that I'm just talking about this particular story because I'm going somewhere with it so we're sitting around Jagadish Maharaj and I'm listen I was enthralled by his sense of purpose, by his belief in Gurukul education, by his stories of Krishna, he was telling some story of something about Vrindavan. I was enthralled by it. It was there when I realized, you know, kids want to grow up being, you know, astronauts and you know, fire firemen and firewomen. That's where I wanted to be a Gurukul teacher. I I took an issue. I told you I took an issue when I was 17. He was my guru. I took initiation from Jagadish Maharaj to be tutored in Gurukul education. <laughs> Another quick story, if I may. What's the time? Just When we go over time, uh, just shut me up.
1: No, no. We have, we have like 15, 20 minutes left, so we're good.
0: Okay. It was after initiation. And Jagadish Maharaj, he fully accepted the mentorship when he found out that, you know, why do you want to take initiation from me, Vyasadev? And I thought I want to be a guru kula teacher. And was, he, <laughs> he said. Interestingly enough, he said, "Well, you don't ever want to be minister of education." That struck me. He said, "Open your own guru kula. Don't ever be minister of education." Anyways, got initiated. He he mentored me, told me because at the time I was uh, when I took initiation, I was a prefect in the Mayapur Guru Praguru I and trained to be an ashram teacher. And I think at one point I actually become an ashram teacher and he kept mentoring about what it means to take care of, you know, he said one interesting thing He said, Mahavishnu, your responsibility is to make sure your kids are happily engaged in Krishna consciousness. He said, that's a gurukul teacher. I was like, huh? I mean, it made sense. And he said, no, make sure they're happy. This is Jagadish Maharaj. Make sure they're happy. Number one, if they're not happy, you're failing make sure they're engaged in Krishna consciousness. If they're not engaged in Krishna consciousness, but they're happy, you're failing. He said, you do those two things, you're a successful Gurukul teacher. And he he said, don't ever be minister of education, open your own Gurukul." Anyways, this particular story, (laughs) it was, um, I don't know if I was initiated yet. No, I don't think I was. But anyways, I was aspiring for initiation. So Jagadish Maharaj came to Mayapur during the Mayapur festival. And myself and a friend, we were going around, you know, he was aspiring from initiation from one other devotee, one other senior devotee. I was aspiring from Jagadish Maharaj. So he and I, me and my friend, we went to get their clothes because we wanted to wash their clothes. I was going for Jagadish Maharaj. he went to someone else. So he had gotten us the clothes of his spiritual master. I we then we went together to get the clothes from Jagadish's side. He just arrived that afternoon. And he had known that I was, you know aspiring for initiation and all that. But they had, this was in the, I think it was the conch building of Mayapur. You know this. But anyways, the conch building of Mayapur is where he was staying. And his roommate was Burijan Prabhu. Oh, so cool. I go in, myself, my best friend at the time, pale basinses, and Maharaj, he, he knows me. He's known me since I was a child, since Lake Cunnington, right? So anyways, he has his bundle of clothes. And he says, take Burijan Prabhu's clothes as well. No problem. I took Burijan Prabhu's clothes. So I had these two bundles, of, and Jagadish Maharaj introduced me. He says, Prabhu, this is Vyasadev. He is aspiring for initiation. He wants to be a Gurukul teacher. Buryajan Prabhu, really? Now I don't remember, this is my, f- I'm not quite sure if at that time or a little bit later, but I think it was at that time that Buryajan Prabhu went to his bookshelf or whatever, his luggage, and he pulled out Srila Prabhupada and Gurukul. I have it right here somewhere, the same book. Prabhupada and Guru, you see, it's, <laughs> it's really worse for wear. Oh, wow! <laughs> that was given to me by Burijan Prabhu. He says, We'll read this book and study Srila Prabhupada's teachings on Guru Kula. Anyways, so I took his clothing and we went and we washed the clothes. This, the remainder of the story is a little bit off topic, but it's a humorous story, nevertheless. Anyways, um, so I washed their clothes, dried their clothes, and I wanted to iron their clothes. So, me and my friend. We had borrowed an iron from one of the Grihasta devotees and we were in the Mayapur gurukul and if, as you know right in the at least at the time electricity came went on and off so I had the dried clothing of my spiritual master Burijan Prabhu I had this iron all set up the light was on and then the light went off electricity went out so I couldn't use the iron so of course I mean I was a young teenager maybe 16 15 16 years old so as teenagers do I found a friend and we went to town beating the living daylights out of each other, right? <laughs> That's what kids do. Anyways, the light came back on. Me and my friends, we disentangle ourselves from this battle of Kurukshetra we had going on. And I go back into the ashram to continue ironing clothes. There's smoke <laughs> coming from... Anyways, oh, no. Rujan Prabhu's kurta had a burn mark right <laughs> you know, front and center of an iron. Anyways... I went, you know, almost crying back to Burijan Prabhu, Jagadish Maharaj. And Jagadish Maharaj says, well, Burijan Prabhu didn't say anything. He says, well, well, it happens. Jagadish Maharaj says, no. It's your responsibility. You burned it. You get him a new quartet. I have nothing. So me and my friend, we went out on Sankraton around Mayapur. You know, the courtyard around Mayapur? And yeah. We went around Mayapur. I burnt my spiritual master's clothes. I need to buy him more quartets. One manajee and. Privacy' sake, we won't go into it. But one Madhiji gave me and my friend a donation. It was it was more than enough to buy a dozen cortes. We were overjudged. She was she was the first person, the second person we hit up for this donation, and she gave us like two hundred rupees, which at the time was you know it's a million dollars. And I said, oh, well, thank you, thank you. She says, "Yeah, buy cortes," but and because we were standing in front of the Mahaprasad stall, I don't know if it's there now, but at least in those days, it was in the courtyard in front of the. Front of the Maya Pratumbu, buy the court, as she said, but then also buy yourself some Maya Prasadam. wow
1: <laughs>
0: Anyways, the entire point I was making with that is simply this: I've totally forgotten the point I was trying to make with those stories. <laughs> Anyways, getting back to Guru is that the third rail? Women and children. It's yeah. in Krishna Ka- that. In ISKCON, the fundamental economic paradigm is one of is Brahminical, and we have to see. and It's interesting enough, Srila Prabhupada said in his last few years of being on the planet, We have to establish Varnashram wherever there's a temple of Krishna, wherever we have a temple, there should be a Varnashram college. Because, and this is the problem we're having right now, ISKCON's economic model is based on. The Brahminical Varna. There's a problem there because the Brahminical Varna is not the economic engine of society. It's the Vaishya Varna that is the economic. Shudras are employed by Vaishyas. Shudras get their salary from the Vaishya community, Shatris get their taxes from the Vaishya community. Brahmanas get their charity from all the other varnas, but from the Vaishya community. Vaishyas are the economic engine of society. And yet we have this Drona drupa, the disease, in Iskan society, no wages for sages. So the Dronacharyas of our society then go and get a job with Duryodhana, and we complain that women and children are not taken care of. Right. So the, 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 the varnaprasas, the, the people who are able, the parents... Who are able to protect children, are out working for Duryodhana. And we complain about ISKCON has a problem. We have to shift the economic model where it's supposed to be. Vaishas, my issue, I would love to expand the Gurukula. And I know dozens of qualified vana process throughout ISKCON I would want to bring into my Gurukula. I can't pay them. My wife and I are working overtime for this. Right. Because people say, well, Mahavishnu, they're Brahmins. They're supposed to pishtosh. We are still stuck. Its, con, its mentality is still stuck in the wrong economic model, the brahminical one, where you're supposed to, oh, Krishna is going to take care of us. Krishna says, chatur varnam mayashristam. I gave you the Vaishya community to take care of your financial problems. Activate it, empower mm-hmm. it, put it at the economic center of your society. But no, our economic center are brahmins. It'll come, it hasn't come. So yeah. the fear, and I'll start to you know wrap this up here, as you mentioned. It's it's it and parents. It's parents. It always since 1986. It's always been parents. We keep foisting it off on the ISKCON leadership. Has done enough. We don't want ISKCON leadership in this area. We I don't want it. They've gotten it. They've got one thing right. The policies on education have been codified, signed, sealed, and delivered. It's ISKCON law. I'm not interested in asking leadership to implement it. I'm not interested in ISCON funding those policies. The GBC don't have, there's no IRS. Who's paying taxes to the GBC? How are they going to fund this? They're not going to, they can't fund it. I am not in a GBC apologist. Believe me, I'm not a GBC apologist, apologist. but they're not going to fund this. There is no department of justice. There's no, there's no FBI to enforce, to implement ISKCON policy. Right. What federal enforcement agency do we have to implement ISKCON policy? Parents have to implement it. It's been that way since 1986. Stop trying to foist this. And it's it, it comes from this trauma. It comes from the ISKCON parent as a species is traumatized and doesn't want to touch the third rail. The parents don't want to touch the third rail. ISCON leadership doesn't want to go anywhere near the third rail. The problem is the train that is ISCON requires the third rail. And no one's touching it. To blaze with Iskon leadership, books, we need funding. I'm sorry to be the materialistic moron of the group. <laughs> it's money. It's money. It's what, what did Bill Clinton say? It's the economy, stupid. At this pre-1980, it wasn't. And I get that. Pre-1986, it wasn't the economy, stupid. It was existentialism. We had to survive the departure of Srila Prabhupada. It was all hands on deck to make sure we survive that first decade after the disappearance of Srila Prabhupada. Because it was up in the air. It was up in the air, guaranteed. It was the beaches of Normandy. I get that since 1986. It has fundamentally different, but we haven't seized on that. Yeah, child protection right now it's not about knowing what to do, knowing how to do it. No, the, the, it's all there. The problem now is money. I was on a oh, good lord in heaven, I was on years ago. I was on a having a discussion with someone who is, I'm editing myself now for privacy. I was on in a discussion with someone who is prominent in the child protection field. And we were going on about, you know, the leadership and the this and then that and child protection. And I said, essentially, I said, well, okay, well now what, how are we going to eradicate child abuse? And this person said, you can't. I almost hung up, you are, I mean, at the time were the preeminent champion of child protection, and you're going to tell me you can't eradicate child abuse. I'm talking to the wrong person. I held my tongue and I, because I'm not saying that what such persons are doing is not purposeful is not, help. of course it does. But the 800-pound gorilla in the room are the parents. I almost hung up on it, but I, yeah, yes, you're right, you're right. And then I asked them, so is it, when you say child protection, child abuse cannot be eradicated? Are you saying this philosophically or pragmatically? And the person was saying, no, both, because you know it's Kali yuga, you know, you can't protect all kids at all time. And again, I just at that point I did not want to go in. I just yes, I just nodded, yes, mm-hmm, yes, you're right. Keep going, you know, cheer you on. But for me, the discussion was over because there's no belief that it can be eradicated. It can, child abuse can be eradicated in our society in this country. When was the last time you heard of an airliner crashing? That's a rhetorical question. It happens worldwide maybe once a year, but statistically speaking, the chances of air, of you dying in an airline crash are one in 10 million. To give some perspective, the chance of you dying in a car accident, whether you're driving or not, is one in 5,000. One in 5,000. Wow. Dying in a plane crash is one in 10 or 11 million. It's a statistical anomaly. That's what I mean by eradication. If you were to scale that to ISKCON and child abuse, that means one child will be abused every 75 years. That's eradication, philosophically and pragmatically. But you have to believe it can be done. And in order to believe it can be, in order to do it, you're going to have to grab the third rail. Parents are going to have to grab the third rail and hold on for dear life. So I don't want to hear discussions about if you're, oh, if you are not giving $50 a month to child protection, I am not interested in a damn thing you have to say. Not interested. $50 a month as a parent, as a Guihasta, as a Vaisha, if you're not giving $50 a month to gurukul in child protection, I have nothing to say to you. I don't want to hear you. what you have to say. I'm not interested in your comments. That's the first thing that has to be done. It's about money. At this stage of the game, post 1986 to now it has always been about money we know what to do we know how to do it the i am not i mean i'm saying things about google this is you you ask any google educator you're going to get the same information i guarantee it you talk to a group educator from here to india northwest south you're going to get the same understanding the same ideas about education i am not an anomaly it's not about what to do, how to do it. It's about the fear of grasping that third rail and the trauma that parents, two things, parents not really knowing what guru cool looks like, what it can be in the future, and dealing with the past trauma of what guru cool was, that parents don't realize parents have the power. Parents have the power of the purse. GBC, there's no IRS, there's no FBI. Leadership can do nothing. They have an influence, no power, plenty of influence. They should step up and do their job in their sphere of influence. Guaranteed. They The power, the overwhelming power is with the parents. The parents are asleep at the switch. They've been asleep at the switch since 1986, and they're still at the switch now. I'm a parent. I'm not excluding myself from this. My yeah. mother, my mother is my guru. My mother is... Suniti has nothing on my
1: my mother. I do
0: not want to change. The decisions my mother made about me in Gurukula, my mother could have pulled me out in 1986. My Gurukula history, you can go online to read it in terms of that, but my mother could have, I'm thoroughly, absolute greatest experiences in life came from remaining in Gurukula of course my most horrid as well, but my mother, I've had this discussion with my mother numerous times. Not everyone understands that dynamic. Not everyone understands the trauma that was and the future that needs to be. We haven't, not everyone has, has made that transition. Um,
1: I want to talk I want to talk a little bit about your present gurukula how that functions how people can get in touch with you well I have your your website that I'll post up later but just like okay we talked about what gurukula was in the past you know what it's what it is what we wish it to be in the future but at present your project specifically how does it run um, what, you know, how do you basically run it a- a- according to those principles that you're speaking of?
0: Right. Well, in 19, not 19, in 2017, I opened the Guru Corps here in Massachusetts. It was functioning 10 children in the temple that I opened. It was on the weekends, pardon me. And it was from families here in Massachusetts. We have no large, we community with school-aged children, Christian conscious children, but these were children who are just local Indian families, um, not necessarily ISKCON kind of families, but guru-cool is guru-cool. um So I had, it was, you know, 10 students who were growing and developing. And then of course the pandemic hit and everything went a line. And I have a background in my first, <laughs> I, for two years I ran a web design business, oh, forgive me, overheating. You got me all hot and bothered. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so I had a web design business for two years way back when. So when educate when everything went online, uh, someone said, "Well, you know, put the Google call online." I did not know how that would look. I learned and realized it opened up a world of opportunity of putting Google online. So that's what I did. Google went online, and within the first month, I had seventy five students. This was early on in the pandemic. Had more than 70 students across the US, Canada, the EU, the UK. I was floundering. <laughs> and I was one person. Anyways, the pandemic has passed, it's been whittled down. I've intentionally whittled it down because I'm only one person and a part-time teacher. So now we have 30 students. So the way the NVI Group, cool, the MVI Group cool is the Massachusetts Vaishnav Institute Group. It has two projects, two programs. One is the Shruti Dhar program. And that's the program where the curriculum is based on the Bhagavad Gita. Students learn 150 verses of the Bhagavad Gita, Sanskrit and English. And there's a sadhana program because sadhana is key. That, that um, person you were interviewing, Gopi Mataji, when she was talking about how to get children to live and to make Krishna consciousness relevant into their own lives, that's sadhanas. And in fact, in gurukhal education, classroom instruction is actually secondary. That's why it's a homeschool. Pouring Krishna consciousness into the intellect of a child is the easiest thing to do in the world. It's what Gopika was talking about, Gopika Mataji or Devi Dasi. It's what she was talking about that's the key. She was brilliant. It's about awakening within the child the recognition that spiritual light part and parcel of who they are. It's already there. They just need to manifest and live it in an empowered way. That's The place to do that is actually sadhana, not in a classroom teaching them a Bhagavad Gita shloka. Yes, that's there too, because that supports what they're doing in sadhana intellectually, but the key component of gurukula is sadhana. That's the key. So I have a sadhana element, even in the Shruti program, where students are required to read for five minutes a day, it's based on, again, it's based on dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. Read Bhagavad Gita five minutes a day. That's dharma. Learn what is, what ought to be done, what ought not to be done. Learn what is varnashram. Learn what is responsibility in terms of living life. Artha, that's basic understanding of how to succeed in life. So for artha, part of the sadhana, dharma, artha, kama, moksha, that's the sadhana package. Aritha, the kids are required to, they have a checklist. Get up in the morning, learn how to make your bed for crying out loud. Do you, There's that famous YouTube video about the Admiral. He says, you want to succeed in life? Make your bed.
1: Yes. Make your bed. Yeah. It's because it's the first kind of, uh, you know, thing that you do. And then that sets you up for, for doing accomplishing things then the rest of the day. I like yes. that.
0: When I saw that YouTube video, I was jumping up and down. Finally, someone understands Guru Kula. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody gets what Arta means. Arta means making your bed. Not economic development. Yes. But if you can't make your bed, you're not going to be able to be a success in the workplace. Basic yeah. responsibility. So children have an artha responsibility. I work with the parents to determine what that is, depending on the age of the child, right? If it's a five-year-old, we have one five-year-old. The age I cut off is eight and up in my group. I cannot deal with below that, it's not necessary to. But yeah. We have one five-year-old, and his responsibility, his artha, sadhana responsibility, is to make his bed in more. Kama is about not sense gratification, it's about mastering the senses. That means getting your senses under control. So I have all students, every student, are required to do suri namaskar. Every morning, you do a little bit of yoga to get your mind and senses under control. You can't do that. You can't do anything. Forget about Krishna consciousness. You can't sit still in class if you don't have your mind and body under control. And then, right. of course, moksha, which is what we all are involved okay. in, Vaishnavas. So they have, the minimum is you have a picture of Krishna, patram pushpam falam toya. Your responsibility is to put a cup of water in front of your picture of Krishna every morning. So that's their dharma, artha, kama, moksha. That's the sadhana. Oh, the fifth part of that is Japa, Five minutes of Joppa every day. No more. Five minutes. That's their sadhana. Every Monday when they come to class, because this is all online, right? Yeah. When they come to class on Zoom on Monday, I'm not pouring Bhagavad Gita lectures into, into their head. They have Everyone has a sadhana checklist in their own home. They come to class and I say, did you do your reading last week? How many days did you do your reading? Oh, I only did four days. And then I growl on them and Jump, <laughs> did you do all your joppa? Did you chant joppa seven days a week for five minutes? No, I didn't. Nah, I didn't. You know, the universal form. You get my point, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I will
0: be honest with you, and it goes up and down, right? It's you know, sometimes you have good days, but to be honest with you, these kids are have you have 80% success in Southern or above? Very few, one or two kids drop below 80%. These kids are brilliant. Wow. So that's the Shruti dar program, and that is once a week. I'm um, sorry, they, that's twice a week. They come on Sunday for the Bhagavad Gita class, and then Monday for the Sadhana class, the Sadhana to go over the Sadhana. And then I have the Bhakti Tirtha Swami scholars. It's modeled on the program. So the Bhakti Tirtha Swami scholar, my, by, by the way, I I was first initiated by Jagadishika Swami, then Harikesh Maharaj. <laughs> Than Bhakti Tirtha Swami. So I've been through it. Anyways, that's beside the point. So the Bhakti Tirtha Swami scholars, it's based on the Rhodes scholar system. And that's where I have, I mean, the Shruti Dar program is a three-year curriculum. The Bhakti Tirtha Swami scholars program, that's an eight-year curriculum because we do everything. Bhagavad Gita, Nectar of Instruction, Chaitanya Charitamrita, Srimad Bhagavatam, Christian book, Prabhupada Lila Amrita, they learn Everything about the Shashas, they didn't learn the Purusha Shuktam, Ishup, everything they need to learn to be a leader in society. Because remember, this is the part where I talk about qualified discipleship. Mm-hmm. Everything about Krishna consciousness is in the BTS Scholars Program. That's an eight-year process. They come to class every single day for an hour a day at 6 a.m. in the morning. Yes, these kids get up <laughs> 6 a.m., and they do it well.
1: They, How many they're, students they're, are there in the in the Bhakti Tirtha Swami uh, scholarship? Uh,
0: there are 10, 23, 23 students between the US and the UK.
1: 23 wow. students.
0: And the 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 limit is because I'm alone. That's the limit. I, I'm alone <laughs> and I work a full-time job. That's the limit. Wow. So I I mean, I've got people calling in. Mahavishnu like, you know, well, dude, yes, but I need assistant teachers. I need to pay assistant teachers. Right. You know, so anyways. <laughs>
1: so da- <laughs> so daily, like Monday, like every single day.
0: Every single day. It's not It's not going to work unless it's every single day. This is a lifestyle.
1: Right. Yes, yes.
0: This is life. And when when they have that, so when they come out of the, the Bhakti tirtha Swami pro, uh, scholars or when they come out of the Shruti program, because in the Shruti program, they're also doing their sadhana every day. They come to class once or twice a week, but they're doing the sadhana every day. They know when they come to Guru Club, I'm going to ask them about their sadhana every week. I'm going to encourage, empower, send emails, talk to their parents about their sadhana. Every- so they're living a positive, they develop a positive connection with their sadhana. I mean, I say I growl at them, no, I empower them. Are the ages below seven? Sorry.
1: Are the ages the same for Shruti Dara and Bhakti Tirtha Swami scholars? Yeah,
0: eight ages eight and up.
1: Okay, but the the difference is that the scholars is every day, while the Shruti Dara is like twice a week.
0: Yes, that and the scholars cover much. I mean, people can go to the website. I have. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually
1: sharing the website right now. If you look at the oh, screen, a, um, excellent.
0: Yeah. Excellent. So for your listeners, if you go to Shrutidhar program, you'll see the curriculum. It's basically 150 verses of Bhagavad Gita, which you know that's what we learned in Mayapur. It's pre-Bhakti Shastri. It'll set them up for their Bhakti Shastri if they want to do that in the future. But this 150 key verses of Bhagavad Gita, those 150 key verses, you don't need anything else in terms of understanding Krishna consciousness. You really don't. Those hundred and fifty key verses, they memorize those. And then, of course, the Sadhana program. So that's a three-year curriculum. Have your listeners go to the Bhakti. It's called BTS Scholars. You go to that and you see it's a 15-level curriculum. The right. curriculum is right there on the website. It's it's everything you need to know in Krishna. Ka- everything. It's everything we so, learn so in work
1: so we're running out of time, but I, I want to I just ask, like, if, if, if a parent is watching this and they're interested, like they love what you're about and what you're talking about, how would they determine what they, what they want to involve their children in, as, you know, from Shrutidara to the scholars? Like, how would they determine which one to, to do?
0: For the BTS for the Scholars program, think we talked about sincere Vaishnavas and qualified disciples. The BTS program, Qualified Disciples. It's structured that way. It's everything about the BTS Scholars Program is about developing, nurturing, qualified disciples because they are going to be the qualified gurus of the future. So if you look at your child and you want and you intend for your child to be a qualified guru of the future, (laughs) and I don't, I, I mean, I laugh, but I'm dead serious, not because of who I am, because that's what Prabhupada said. Read Prabhupada's instructions on Gurukula. There's only yeah. one conclusion: they're leaders. So if you, so if that, if you see that, if you see that what Prabhupada wanted was for your child to be the Secretary General of the United Nations, and their name is supposed to be Krishna Devi Dasi, that's the BTS Scholars Program. If you want your child to be a sincere Vaishnava, Shrutidar is enough. More than enough, the Shrutidar program. It's three years, it's, its its it doesn't mean they won't be sincere Vaishnavas. It doesn't mean they won't grow, go on to be yeah. qualified disciple of the future. But it's just, it's really about the parents. Again, parents are the key. When you yeah. put your child in Gurukul, whether it's Shrutidar or BTS scholars, you put your child in Gurukula, it's going to change your family. Your family is going to have to change.
1: Well, for you our listeners, to... yeah, for our listeners, we put it up on the screen: www.mviGurukula.com. For all our audio listeners, that's mviGurukula.com. You can get all of the information there uh, that Mahavishnu Prabhu is talking about, which is the two programs: Shuti Dara and then the Scholars but a BTS scholars program, very fascinating. I mean, I want to talk to my wife when my child turns that age, I'd love to enroll them because this is, I really love what you're about. Like I, I really resonated with a, a, everything that you said. I think that going through the Gurukul system yourself, you understand what worked, what didn't work. And and you wanted to be a Gurukul teacher from a very young age. That in itself is just really really fascinating and also hope giving for if for any children that you're teaching you know so um and again I, I appreciate you coming on and talking i think we should have a part two to this because i think you have a lot more to say and we have a lot more to go through as opposed you know as c- considering other topics like uh leadership and child protection etc cetera, etc cetera. but uh i think we're out of time because if we go past two hours then something weird happens to my stream so um Mahavishnu Prabhu, again, thank you so much for, for joining me. All right,
0: can I just say one last thing? Yes, please. I'm hosting my second Guruco Development Conference on November 12th, so it's online. Okay. So if people are really, really ready to grab a third rail, see me November 12th.
1: Okay. Why don't you send me that information? I can when when this podcast comes out, I can um, also put all that information up with the podcast, so then we can uh, you know get the word out.
0: It's on the website, MVI Guru Kula.
1: Okay. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Thank you again and thanks everyone for joining. Mavishna Guru, please stay on. I'm just gonna turn off the recording. Certainly.